Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Caught Offside. With Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside. I'm just outside of New York City and from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? I feel like with these semifinal first legs, we need to give caveats all the time. Terms and conditions apply. This product may change rapidly in the next week. Yes, definitely for, I mean, look, one of these games ended in a tie. So obviously something is, is going to change. That is not necessarily a guarantee that we'll have a change in the other one, but you never know. We've been waiting for the drama to strike because it hasn't really yet in the knockout stages. And so who knows what twists and turns could finally await us in the second legs of these semifinals. But we're here, of course, to discuss the first legs, JJ. So we'll do that. Uh, a couple other things. The U.S., made an announcement today u.s soccer adding, an incomprehensible one adding a new position <laughs> to their structure um so we'll talk a little bit about that obviously there's messy news that's now you can just see you can see where this is headed and messy it, it's it's just going to be a daily thing i'm i don't know if i am a reflection of the way you all feel listening um i'm already kind of sick of it like I love yep. him, um, but I, I see what's happening here, and it's already annoying to me. But I'll be curious. Maybe others don't agree. Maybe Messi is such a, a gigantic life force in this sport that people need to know. They they crave every possibility oh, sure. and every news story on, on what his future is. But I'm 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 sick of it. Honestly, I'm sick. Of I it. I've gotten so accustomed, or or rather, the the, the scenes from the World Cup which were pure scenes of joy of Messi expressing himself, bringing Argentina to the, to the pinnacle of world football, fulfilling that mm-hmm. for himself, that ambition and, and that need and that desire that other people had for him, for him too. All I can think of is that everything else seems so tawdry, you know, the deals with Saudi Arabia, missing training to go to Riyadh, um, then coming back and doing like a hostage style apology video 
And now like the, the kind of bidding war or not bidding war, but just like that endless rumor and conjecture about where he's going to end up. It's just, it's so far away from the pureness of him sculling pints of Fernet and Coke with the masses of Buenos Aires around him. Like there was something so pure and relatable about that Messi going on the beer for like a fortnight after winning the world cup. And I, I loved, I loved every minute of that. Um, and I even loved him just like dissing salt Bay. Like when salt Bay tries to grab him and he turns around, and he just looks at him. I just want, don't want to talk about Messi in, in like in even inter Miami. Come on. Like you, I don't want him going there as much as it'll give me the opportunity to see him live and in the right. flesh again. I don't want that. I don't want that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Might get to that later in the podcast. But let's start, JJ, with why why we're here, of course, and that is it is a it is a Champions League semifinal Wednesday night that we are recording this podcast. Both games still fresh in our minds. Where do you want to start? You want to start with the most recent one, or you want to start with the more high profile? Well, uh, to say more high profile, that's I mean, ooh, a Milan oh. Dar. I don't want to offend our Italian listeners because oh. there's certainly nothing low profile no. about Inter. And AC Milan playing a Champions League semifinal at the San Siro. But what I mean by that is Real Madrid and Manchester City. Let's start there because I yeah think do that for, for whatever you think of Inter and AC Milan and the prestige of that rivalry. We'll, talk, we'll obviously talk all about it. But Real Madrid and Manchester City, JJ, entered this semifinal. I, I think being considered by pretty much everybody who follows the sport as the two best teams right now that there are, and to pit them against one another in this setting is massive. It's a huge occasion. So let's go through that one. Um, We'll break it down bit by bit, of course, with us with the full understanding that there is still a second leg to go. But the initial question straight out of the gate before we get to the the bits and pieces of it, who comes out of this one feeling better? We all know the result. It was one one. Who's feeling better about that result? Oh, for me, I think it's Manchester City because they avoided being uh, suffering the fate that they I mean, obviously, it was a different scenario at the Bernabeu last season, but because ultimately it was the second leg and they went out. But they. They avoided the fate that Liverpool and, and lots of other teams have have fallen foul of when it comes to Real Madrid. And that is basically, you feel like you're dominating the game, you feel you're on top, but Madrid put together some scintillating football and suddenly you're 1-0 down and you're losing. And they didn't allow it to get worse and they equalized. And now you see them going back to Manchester and you see a team that can ultimately go through. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think they're the ones that I agree with you. They come out of this probably feeling a little, a little bit better, almost simply by the virtue of them having gone down a goal on the road and in that place against that team and salvaging a draw out of it. I think that that in itself, they would see it as as probably a win. It could have gone a little bit differently. Um, Jack Grealish, looking ahead to the second leg, he said after the match at the Etihad, we feel unstoppable. And that has been the case. They've won 14 straight matches by a combined score of 49 to seven in their home ground this year um, over their last 14. That's that's pure dominance. Now, I know that all 14 of those have not been against Real Madrid. If they had, that would not be that streak. I'm pretty confident in saying would not be intact, but it speaks a little bit to how they feel when they're playing in that place. Now, along the lines of this, there was something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, you know, Manchester City, I think another reason they feel good here is that for decent portions of the game, JJ, they were able to and allowed to play their game. Yes. Specifically at the start of this one. 
Um, now, what I want to ask you is, as I was watching it, I'm watching the game, and I'm also kind of scrolling Twitter, kind of just like getting a sense of what people are saying. And there's this a sense sort of permeating throughout social media, and I wonder if you saw it too, of in the beginning of this game, Real Madrid allowing that to happen. They're willing to soak in pressure yeah. and then try to do their thing on the counter. And I'm not saying that that isn't true. Like, I, I do believe that that is, we see Real Madrid, how they play. Like, that is something that they like to do. Um, but I also do want to ask the question of, like, are we sure that's by design? Like, uh, are we giving Madrid too much credit in assuming that they're just allowing Manchester City to do that? Because Manchester City also want to play that way. They want to have the ball, too. And by the way, while they didn't score in that opening 30 minutes or so when when it was kind of one-sided in terms of who was controlling the ball, they were generating chances. I mean, they had opportunities. The, the Grealish chip to uh, the back post. Who was it? Holland to put the header. The Courtois had to make a good save on. Like, mm. I, I understand why Real Madrid do that in certain occasions. But I, I do think if you're going to play that way against Manchester City, I respect your choice in doing so if you're Real Madrid. We have enough confidence in our style and in our guys that we don't care who the opponent is. No one's going to change the way we like to do things. But you are playing a little bit of a dangerous game because you're kind of playing into Man City's hands if you just allow them to do that. I mean, they would say, well, okay, we, we are still, we're still we still the ones that went 1-0 up in, in the 36th mm-hmm. minute. It's true. Uh, I, you know, for... You say, you know, City did carve out a few opportunities, but generally speaking, I mean, it, there wasn't a ton that they did. Um, I mean, one of the opportunities was like, like from 30 yards, uh, a strike. Who was it? Rodri hit the, hit the, hit the strike. I can't remember who it was. And, um, and it's a good save down, uh, down to his right by Courtois. Um, I think with Man City, it's got to be built into your tactical game plan that you're not going to have a lot of the ball. You're just not. And you have to make the best of that. And, uh, and Real Madrid certainly did that. Also, I think, it's interesting with Madrid. They've got this this little wrinkle in their formation where, you know, Camavinga is starting as a left back, but when they're in possession, you know, he slots in and he is a he's an auxiliary midfielder. He's he's double jobbing, uh, mm. similar to Trent Alexander Arnold, but um, and and that was that was devastating for them. It, you know, we'll we'll get late to later on where we're probably having someone as loose. As Camavinga, not loose, but rather, what's the word? Uh, willing to express himself and to make passes that maybe other fullbacks wouldn't really want to do. He didn't have the fullbacks instinct on the De Bruyne goal. Um, <laughs> let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think it's built into your plan that you're not going to have the ball. And Real Madrid did really, really well. What was good for City was that things weren't working out for City either from a refereeing standpoint. Um, either from a in terms of like De Bruyne scored one of the best goals of his career, if not the best, certainly the cleanest strike you've ever seen. It was so good, mm-hmm. and yet he didn't have a great game. So City somehow absorbed the blows, the slings, and the arrows. Come out with a with a draw. There are no away goals anymore, folks. So this is just equal uh, going back to Manchester and and. Um, I think City are. I really think City are in good shape now. Now, ultimately, this game will not be remembered for the series of half chances that were created. It'll be remembered for two absolutely outstanding 
world-class goals. So let's go to that now and yes. talk about some of the biggest moments from this game. And we'll just fast forward right to the 36th minute. Vinicius, I, I love him. I has love any player him. in the history of this podcast, has any player ever vindicated your love in quite this fashion? Uh, James Ward-Prowse, I think, has. Yes. Um, Charlie Adam hasn't. Not no, first of all, no, 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 Charlie Austin. Charlie Austin. I despise me. Charlie Adam with all my body. He would try to break Gareth Bale's ankles every time they played him. No, I hated that guy. Um, no, Charlie Austin hasn't really. But no, I mean, Vinice, yes, I, I absolutely love him. I know we've said this before, but I still feel that sometimes it needs to be said. When we are going to have the conversation about the best players in this game, he's in that tier. He's in that category. He's with them. He's with them. He is. This goal was just ridiculous. All of it. All of it from beginning to end. Just the way, I mean, credit Kamavinga and Modric for the way it started. Like, oh. they are they play a 1-2, what are they, like 85 yards from yeah. goal? They yeah. just play a 1-2 along a sideline, 85 yards away from goal, and it opens up everything. The yes. entire middle midfield opened up. And next thing you know, is going on a run all the way through the midfield makes the right pass, the obvious pass to Vinicius. And then JJ Vinicius's finish, it mm. almost didn't make sense. Like no. as I watched it, I'm like, what happened here? Like the velocity of the ball didn't match the, like the power with which it seemed he hit it. I don't I've seen replays. I still I mean, he cocks back a little bit, but not like it's not like the pass is weighted so heavily that the ball does the work for him. Like he generates the power, but he does so so quickly, so effortlessly, he hit it so purely. It was just, it's just a great goal. He's incredible, that guy. And as he's moving across the goal, to generate that power, as your body is kind of not going quite in the opposite direction, but going in a different direction, um, there was no major backswing on it. No. He's just absolutely class. And I think now that when we, we talk about the top players in the world and we move away from the Ronaldo-Messi era, this guy is in there with Mbappe. Yes. This guy is in there with Holland. This guy is absolute pure class. Now, some people will say, well, duh, he's the starting. He's one of the starting forwards for Real Madrid. I understand that. But there was a period of time when people, including myself, were like, well, you worry about end product. Is he a bit too erratic, et cetera, et cetera. He's got real good very, very quickly. And uh, and that goal was just symptomatic of it. You, we have to talk about him at the very, at the very highest conversation of world football. He's brilliant. He he sure is. He's only twenty two, um, but his game is already so complete to me. Like he can score that kind of goal with that sort of power from outside the box. He's dangerous with the ball at his feet. Um, he's tireless in his effort. I mean, he's. He's just hell to play against for a defender. I love him. He's one of my favorite players to watch, bar none. Uh, and it was it was a brilliant goal. And it, it the game kind of, I mean, it was a fun game already. Like you could see the talent on full display, but it it sort of exploded to life with that moment. I mean, it was you went into this game hoping, okay, these are the two best teams in the world. I hope I see something befitting of that kind of matchup. And bang, you got it. You got it there. I, um, I think I think the game overall was a game where a couple of things happened. Uh, but it was generally like it wasn't. 
I wouldn't sell it as, oh, that was absolutely action-packed, unbelievable. Um, it was just thoroughly absorbing. And I don't want to go any for- further um, before we discuss the referee because I think this man was channeling the excesses of the Premier League referees. Okay. Where we, I mean, let it flow went so far in this game as to be almost borderline absurd. I mean, Carvajal should not have seen the second half with the things that he was doing. Now, the, I the, the shove into Gre- of Grealish I, into the boards. Start with that. Get, you know, start I mean, there. Was, and like, it, I, we, I saw that. I was like, it makes sense that that would happen while the NHL playoffs are going on. <laughs> um, any number of yellows he had to put together and maybe even a straight red in, in, in one case. The Now, I loved it because I was kind of like, yeah, let him get after it. Like Grealish is a Grealish is a guy you grew up playing Gaelic football as a young player, and 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 he credits it with uh, his toughness because Grealish's been playing professional senior men's football since he was fifteen for Aston Villa, mm. and he credits that kind of coming up playing older guys in Gaelic football as part of of the thing that makes him tough. And he's not, despite what people say, he goes over because he's fouled. He's not a crybaby, but. The abuse he took last night was on a different level to certainly what he would what he takes week in week out in the Premier League. Um, this was different, and I, I kind of respected Carvajal for it because he pushed the referee as far as he could go. How much rope is this guy going to give me? And once he realised it's kind of open season, he never stopped. Well, that's <laughs> good luck taking. I mean, it, I guess it worked for him, but like it it, it works until it doesn't. You know, like a referee. Andrew, he didn't pick up a yellow card. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and and like even and, and then there's a flip side to that coin. You saw uh, Bernardo Silva stamping on the back, on the calf of Camavinga. Who mm-hmm. credit to Camavinga? He didn't. He didn't moan or complain. He got on, took the free quick pretty quickly. Um, uh, you know, there was like Real Madrid had two yellow cards in the entire game. That seems seems a little bit on the lax side. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. I always say if it's going to be one way or the other, I prefer this way. Oh, you've always said that, and I kind yeah. of agree with you. No, but City fans were like in their in their in they were having conniptions about this. You I know? Get, I mean, look, when it's your team, I understand that, right? But uh, and then and then there was the have you seen the video circulating of uh of everybody's favorite house, Antonio Rudiger? Oh, he was at it with Holland. I mean, they <laughs> they clearly. A decision was made before the game of just like these guys, like they acknowledge the greatness of the team they're playing against. Real Madrid did of Manchester City. And they said, like, we are we are not going to allow them to be comfortable. We are going to bother them in in whatever ways we can throughout the course of this game. And he loves that. Oh. So so there was this I mean, apart from him throwing himself around the fair, but there was there was this uh, video where Holland is standing in front of him. And he's right behind Holland, and he's like sticking his head in under, almost ducking down to get in under Holland's armpits or close to his arms, as if do something, just you know, go on, go on, mm-hmm. flail at me, have a go at me, left and right, and kind of shoving into him a little bit. Now Holland, to his credit, didn't take the bait, um, but it was just it was incredible f- um, few seconds of video to watch. Um, and ha- in fairness to Holland, if if I'm if if I'm Holland, I'm I'm probably going to run ten fifteen yards, try and get away from this lunatic, <laughs> and find a bit of space where not just for my own sake, 
that I don't end up engaging with him. But um, oh, he's a wonderful, wonderful S house. Yeah, it's interesting too. I I think that there is even with all that, I think that there's an incredible mutual respect that these two teams have with one another. Like the way Hi we used... Walker, did you see yeah, at the end of the game? Him and Vinicius, it was just like it oh. was like high five, buddy. Yeah, like wow, look, look at what we just put each other through. Yeah, like, this was wait. so like like I felt about it, JJ. The way that Pep and Klopp after they would have their matchups when City and Liverpool were at their peak, like last year, the yeah. year before, stuff, and their meetings after the game. The, the smug, oh, we are just we're perfect for this game. Yeah. Look how great we are. We're putting on a show for the world to see. Like, I'm not saying it was quite like that, but you could, I, I got the sense, it, even uh, Holland and Rudiger, I got the sense that there was almost a mutual, like Rudiger was only doing that because he, he knows how great this guy is that he's going up against. Yeah. I've got to, I've got to treat him this way. Whereas, whereas really what we want in sports is utter contempt and hatred. Yeah. That is what we want. Uh-huh. Um, it, it was an interesting point made on another podcast. And I can't remember where it was. But just about the Klopp and, and Pep thing and the and the well, you called it at the time fart smelling, um, where they loved it. You know, they just love smelling their own um, each uh, other's each other's rectal gases. Um, <laughs> but but the 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 thing that was made, it's how the game has changed. So these guys are in contact all the time. Like so, if you have, uh, if you live, if you play for Liverpool and you're a millionaire footballer, you'll live outside of Liverpool, just a little bit outside, and and probably the same. If you're a Man City fan, so you're probably sending your kids to the same school. I think somebody said that De Bruyne and Virgil van Dijk's kids go to the same school. So when you're on the school run and you're meeting this guy day in, day out, it does neuter things a bit. It does take away a bit of the sting. You need antipathy. You need, like, sports hate is good, guys. It's healthy to hate. It, it's healthy to hate. Yeah. Van Dijk and De Bruyne's kid went to the same school? I, I, I'm I, pretty sure someone, oh. I, I read that somewhere. How about that? Oh, that's that's interesting. Um, let's see. Let's keep going through here, JJ. Some of the big moments of this one. The next one I wanted to get to was not a goal, um, but I think it's one where I don't know how this is all going to play out when it's all said and done. But there was a moment in this game where I thought, "Up oh, here we go." Holland got the ball in some space in the 55th minute. Looked like he was going to be one on one with the keeper, and you may not see a better defensive play made over these two legs and the one that David Alaba made catching up to Holland and then timing his slide tackle perfectly as Holland is getting the shot off on goal and Alaba deflects it, knocks it away for a, for a corner. I believe it went out for, and you know, you could see Real Madrid, his teammates kind of swarmed him, uh, gave him props for it. Cause it was, a, it was incredible effort. Holland did not have, like you said, Rudiger did a great job with Holland for the most part, but he's always a player that great is always going to have his moments. He just is. You're not going to be able to keep him down for 90 minutes of a game. Just not. And so there was always going to be something. And if you're Real Madrid, you just needed to hope that you had somebody close by to handle it when that chance occurred. And it occurred in the 55th and Alaba was, it was just immense. It was a huge moment uh, in this tie. Uh, So again, a lot of the focus on this one afterwards is going to be on what happened offensively with the goals, but that was that was a vitally important moment as well uh, from from David Alaba. Yeah, I, he's he's one of the best players I've ever seen live. Wow! Oh, what? Ah, oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable praise. Yeah, w- uh, I saw him in a World Cup qualifier in 2012, Ireland versus Austria, and Ireland are leading two one, and. Uh, he pops up with an absolute brilliant strike. You know, he played in midfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and 
he just you could see he was a cut above everybody else on the field um in that game and it was it was a joy to watch him he was only 19 then mhm that was 11 years ago jeez yeah, 2012 know. doesn't feel like it should be 11 years I ago i think it was a shot from about 30 yards uh and um but he was brilliant absolutely brilliant and sometimes you know i i had again much, much earlier, in 1997, I had the joy of seeing uh, Georgie Hadji hmm. uh, play for Romania, ex-Barcelona, ex-Real Madrid player. And he was just, oh my God. You, you just know, you're like, yeah, you're pretty good, bud. He, he he scored a free kick from like 30 yards and I was in the West Stand, Atlanta, the old West Stand at Lansdowne Road and there was a guy beside me who just started clapping. <laughs> just clapped. Yeah, sometimes that's all you can do. That's all you can do. And Alaba, Alaba is, I think, um, he'll he won't be. I don't think we're going to be talking about him in twenty years' time, but hmm. I don't think we will. Hmm. But a, but but still, a superbly gifted footballer. Best players I've seen live. Yeah, I mean, Messi's uh, the I'll, best I've seen live. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I saw him when the U.S. played Argentina, then Giant Stadium. Yeah, um, and he played the first half. It was a friendly. Um, I remember a couple things, but I don't remember. It ended nil nil. I don't remember him doing anything that outstanding necessarily. Um, I'll tell you what, I was at um, Tottenham Fulham in 2014, and Steve Sidwell was just <laughs> spectacular. <laughs> Sitters. Yeah, yeah. Wow. He'd be on my on my list. <laughs> Uh, let's see, JJ. So let's go to it now. 67th minute. I mean, Kevin De Bruyne, it's just one of the great Champions League goals that you'll see uh, in the Bernabeu in a semifinal to hit a ball like that. And you know what I loved most about it? Obviously, the goal itself aesthetically is a work of effing art. But De Bruyne has done so much in this sport that you almost sometimes wonder, like, what what is there left that he can do where even he will be impressed with himself? Because he's done so much. He scored this goal, JJ. He ran to the oh. side of the field to celebrate, and it almost looked like he broke down in tears. Yes, put his head in his hands and almost fell to the ground. And as his teammates swarmed him, I think even he, even a player as accomplished as he is, even he knew, oh my God, what the hell did I just do? It was it was that great, and and it's cool that I think even he was able in that moment to recognize the specialness of it. Uh, to me, it was almost uh, a religious thing for him, almost a a spiritual moment because he looked to the heavens. Obviously, that's where the Man City fans were. <laughs> uh, by the way, the Bernabeu, oh, um, it looks unbelievable with the renovations. Oh, amazing! The only thing is, they got to get rid of that tarp. Well, they're they're the doing a, they're putting this thing together in in installments. So I that's know, the it last looks piece. Terrible though. It's it's like ugh, I hate it. Um it, it wrecks my head visually. I'm a very visual yeah. person when it comes to stadia. Um but he looked up to the heavens and it, kind of put his arms out. And there was something I don't know. Um like like a, a Christian painting of the passion of our of of our Lord or something like that, you know he like because he looked while he was full of joy he looked like weary. he was like touchdown Jesus at Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> he he looked um, exultant but also weary, and you know and then breaks down into tears, you know as if look what I've done for you all. 
uh, you know, <laughs> falls to the ground with the weight of what he's done. Oh. And um, by the way, there's a there has there's not a better sounding goal. It hits oh, with the way it hit the the force with the which rigging. it hit the net. But you hear the noise; it's so loud. Yeah, hits the rigging, and it's like oh. Uh, I mean, again, I have to be careful because I know younger people listen to this podcast in, in cars and, and, and everything. So I want to keep the sexual imagery to a minimum. Oh, my God. But when that hits the net, that noise, like if you don't feel that in your... Where, JJ? No, I'm not... <laughs> don't go straight to the... Listen, we'll do a Manscaped read later. Don't go straight to the to that region. I'm just saying you feel it in your... In your chest, it gives you a little bump of excitement. You're like, "Ooh, um, I don't know. I couldn't have got more of a buzz from that noise if someone had stuck their tongue in my ear." Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. It's all it's been revealed now. What he's into, <laughs> another layer revealed. Um, yeah, it was. It's a great goal. The the view from behind, kind of like Benjamin Pavard's, I always talk about the view from behind is my favorite. Same with this one. Like you see De Bruyne, um, both feet lifted off the ground and his follow through, the way the ball kind of slowly rises, but only to a point. It's just, he hit it perfectly. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't go too high. It's almost as if it was like, that's enough. That, that's enough for the for this to be pure art. The way the ball turns in the air, his two feet off the ground. Yeah. On the follow through. Oh, right. Yeah, it's like when you're watching a racehorse and like they freeze it at a certain point and all four of its legs are off the ground simultaneously. I always think that's cool looking to me. Um, yeah, I, I I loved it. I yeah, loved it. It was beautiful. Um, now, we should say that in the immediate aftermath of this, uh, there was controversy around it. Um, B in Sport on their postgame show created their own graphic ah. of in the buildup uh, Bernardo Silva, which in real time, I do remember thinking, ooh, that had to be close. Bernardo Silva kept the ball in that looked like it might have gone out, kept it in, and then eventually things happened, more things happened, and then De Bruyne scored that goal. Um, two, the, the two things that I would say about it in terms of the controversy are it was presented on Twitter as though that was Hawkeye technology telling you that the ball had gone out of play. It no. wasn't. It was being sport that created their own graphic to make it look like that. I'm not saying that means it's inaccurate, but I'm also saying that we don't know that it's precise the way that the actual scientific technology is. We don't well, know. There's no end line camera like there is. Uh, well, there is no sideline camera like there is an end line camera. Right. Also. And I, I, I hate to be the party pooper here. I hate to be. The con- controversy and uh, the anti-controversy guy, but like, there's nothing to complain about. There was so much happened after that, That's including the aforementioned Camavinga. And, and this is my point. This is the 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 f- most fullbacks would read that that's not a pass you want to play, right? Most most how will I put it? Instinctive fullbacks who play there regularly, and he plays it right into the path. Of the Manchester City attackers. Yeah. Well, it was Rodri, who's just like, uh, that's the Step- other thing, too, is like you have to know your opponent also. And Rodri is just like, he's Steps a master. He's a yeah. master in that part of the game, in that part of the field. And yeah, so, so it's so hard I, to feel, it's hard to feel too much of, of, of the controversy on this one. Not for me, anyway. I agree. Like, when is the phase of play restarted? Like, to me, Kamavinga intercepts the ball, has possession of it, and plays a pass. Like, 
I don't know. To me, we've, we've begun a new phase of play. Now, Rodri happened to intercept it, but now that's a new phase of play for Manchester City, getting the ball back and eventually gets to Gundogan, gets to De Bruyne. So I don't know. Maybe in the rule book, it says something that I'm not aware of. But to me, I don't I'm not going to there's no asterisk on this result for me. I'm I'm good with it. Um, yeah, I I don't see the controversy, I guess, the way some may no. be seeing it. We're not going to be talking about this in years to come, like the ghost goal at Anfield. We're just not. No. Um, another thing I wanted to ask you about this, it's it's a phrase we bring up all the time in the Champions League, specifically when Manchester City are playing, Pep Brain. I don't know if this was necessarily a bad case of it, but I want to read you a tweet that was sent out shortly after the game uh, from a guy, uh, a guy named Joel Wertheimer who's a civil rights attorney, policy consultant, former Obama associate staff secretary, and, oh, a, Tottenham he'll know. and a Tottenham fan. Oh, you uh, gotta get, I, I want to hear what Joel's got to say. So he tweeted, imagine having these guys on the bench looking leggy and not making a single sub, deranged. And then he has a screenshot of Manchester City's bench, and obviously we know who's on it. Julian Alvarez, Phil Foden, Riyad Mahrez. Anything to that, JJ? Like, no, he's done it before. It's not the first time he's done it. But does that just because he's done it before, does that make it okay? It's Real Madrid, it's the end of the season. Guy like he said, guys looking leggy, and you have you have that on the bench. Not to mention the fact that you're still playing vitally important games uh I, this weekend in the league. Like so yeah. it may it does make sense that maybe somebody would come I don't know who, I don't know what the substitution is, but I know those three guys, I know how great they are, and I, I feel like you're kind of not in not bringing them on, any of them, you're kind of not using a bullet that maybe you you should. I I, I get what you're saying. Um, we've seen it with who's we we've seen it before with Arteta. I th- I think there's there's some kind of a rhythm issue, or or a flow issue, or a game state where they don't want to make those kind of changes. Um, now, whether it's right or wrong, I I don't I I really don't know. But but Pep was maybe okay. We're in a good position here now. Happy with the one one. Happy with the game state. Don't change things. Don't put in a mixing agent when you don't know how it's going to go into this kind of cauldron of football. Just leave it as it is. Move on. I, I, I but otherwise, those guys. But those aren't just like some sub. Like those are superstars. Like I don't think that you're like putting yourself at risk if suddenly Phil Foden is out there. I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. I mean, look, Pep, uh, who look at, look at me telling Pep how to manage, like what an ass I am to do that. But I don't know. It just, it, to me, I it's think, not a crazy thought to think no, that like he could have made a sub. I think this is a, a decision that can only be analyzed in the fullness of time. We, we, we will only know. If things go wrong, whether we can draw it back to the fact that he, he took these guys to their limits. That, that's cowardly, though. Oh, it's completely Come on, cowardly. JJ. I'm okay with it because I think the result ultimately was a really good result for Manchester City. So I so in that sense, I'm okay with it. In my, in, in my proper football man brain, make those subs. Yeah. So kind of putting a bow on this, coming into this, like we said, the sentiment was that these are the two best teams in the world. Now we've seen them together on the same field. Did one, like I have them kind of in the same category. Now that you've seen them play against each other, I'm wondering if, like, did one of them appear more alpha than the other? Or do you exit this sort of thinking, yep, 
that's it's what I thought. They're both great, and I can't wait to see where this goes. I I think the latter. I don't think there was an alpha. I do I do think that against City, avoiding the fate of so many teams against Real Madrid, where you feel like you're on top, you're in control, and you end up somehow losing to this team. That didn't happen. That's a result. I think it's all weighted down the second leg, and I'm I cannot wait to see the second leg, because here is Madrid in a position where you feel good about one team. Madrid are well capable of beating City, well capable of doing it. But City, on the other hand, have got that great result, um, which I think it is. I think it's just it's hard to avoid cliches here, Andrew. But uh, I'm going to say finally poised. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Love the, that. That's what you. Want. Yeah, I have no clue. I wouldn't even try to muster a guess. I have no idea how this is going to go. Um, I hope we get drama. Um, if I if you forced me to make a prediction, I would say I, I would pick Manchester City. I just trust them at home. Um, I, I It's hard for me right now to envision 180 minutes passing by without Holland finding the back of the net once. Um, but I really, I don't know. And that's... And that's kind of what makes it fun, the, the uncertainty of going into that second leg. It'll be brilliant, um, and I can't wait. I can't wait for it. That's next Wednesday, um, so we'll have to wait a day longer for that one. Uh, but yeah, should be should be a lot of fun. Anything else on that one, JJ? No, uh, no. I'm sure something will pop into my brain, but okay. but no. Oh, um, Alfie Halland. <laughs> sure. Okay. Uh, what can anyone explain to me what happened there? He was asked to leave his seat. Well, he was apparently taunting uh, uh, Real Madrid fans from his, I guess, from his box or the suite he was in. There were some reports that he was throwing food at them, like peanut <laughs> shells or something like that. He denies that. Um, he kind of made it sound like it was some fun banter, mm. as they say. Uh, bants, bants. Uh, but I don't know. Did it cross a line? Was him being asked to move? I, who the hell knows? It's always going to be he said, he said kind of thing. Um, the the only thing I wondered as it was as I was reading the story about it is like Real Madrid has sort of been considered like a one day destination for Holland. Yeah. Does, does, does this in any way matter that his father was like basically ejected from the ground? Like, will that no. leave a bad taste? Or okay, no. I don't. I don't think it's a factor at all. Let no. me reach. I. I want to reach. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not quite like him. You know, when when Holland was, there was a chance he was going to Manchester United, and then there was the whole thing about well, you know, Roy Keane and what Roy Keane did to Holland when he was the City player and and Keane was playing for for United. Uh, I don't think it's like that. There'd be no peanut gate. I don't think. I don't think so either. Um, yeah, uh, I would I would agree. Speaking of Holland, by the way, I should give a, a quick mention. Uh, Guillaume Balaguer has a good feature on him at, uh, I think it's the BBC's website. It's worth checking out. He's He's gone deep on it into his, his youth growing up. What a freak athlete he was at such a young age. The thing that stood out to me, JJ, in reading it, uh, is that essentially like it sort of confirms many of my feelings about Holland that he's a Frankenstein monster created in a lab simply to score goals in this sport. Wow. Um, like in the article, it just kind of goes through that. Like he doesn't have other interests. Like he talks about, I don't really play video games. I'm not like one to like go out at night. Yeah. Like 
he he it says in there he gets to training early he leaves late like this is it this is what he does he scores goals he plays soccer and he scores goals and that's it he's a robot he's not human yeah uh there was a interesting article by ian ladyman for the daily mail uh last week where He's talking to Jack Grealish and uh, Holland comes up in it because of the kind of, I suppose, the relationship they formed as teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the quotes was, Erling tells me, no partying. I say, shut up and sit in your ice bath. So, um, he, yeah, he talks about kind of, uh, Grealish talks about how he likes going out and and um, and the lifestyle and how he's... Uh, you know, he, he feels like he's kind of a, he still wants to be himself. He wants to be a young lad who can go out and party and, and do all those things. Um, and, and Haaland is kind of like this, this, like you say, all he's done is to, is built to score goals. And his kind of attitude is, yeah, don't, uh, don't do that, Jack. So it's, um, by the way, I should say Grealish created a lot, created more chances than anyone else in the field last night. Six. Despite being kicked around the place by Danny Carvajal, <laughs> he's used to that though. He's he's routinely one of the most fouled players in the league. This, he, he... But, but like I said earlier on, this was a different. This was a different intensity to it. Another yeah. guy that I love, Jack Grealish. Just love watching him play. Um, yeah, fun fun stuff. The Holland thing too. Just like reading the article, I'll. I know we talked about it in the moment, but seeing it again, that release clause. I'll just, I'll just never get over. Like it, it just almost makes me angry because like. It's Manchester City. They're owned by a country. They have money that goes on to infinity. Like they of anybody should have had to pay top dollar for him. And they got this guy at such an absurd bargain. It's not fair. Like it's not fair. I wonder fair. what other add ons there are. There's got to be. I don't know, be. but it was, what is it? The, the release clause was like 60 million. Yeah. 51.8 million pounds, 60 million euros, something like that. I mean, it's just like that guy, he's worth at least, and even then, you knew he was worth at least double that. I mean, I understand why that release clause was what it was. Otherwise, maybe he just wouldn't have ever gone there. So Borussia Dortmund probably felt they had to give him that. But correct. I mean, <laughs> but geez, what a that's just just he could have gone straight from Salzburg to to the Premier League. Sure, sure. But he, I mean, he wanted to go there because he knew he was guaranteed playing time. Correct. By the way, yeah. Erling, you, you, I think you would have slotted into some other lineups around the Premier League too, but I respect, I respect that decision of wanting to make sure his development was done properly. Um, and he went to the right club for it. There's no question about that. Dortmund is obviously renowned for bringing through young superstars. So he's done everything right every step of the way. And he's just, God, is he great? And we'll see if he's still going to be heard from over these two legs. Let's go now to Italy, to Milan, the Milan Derby in a champions league semifinal. Oh boy. I mean, watching the buildup, um, you know, the CBS coverage did a nice job of kind of diving into it. They had a cool feature, the Kate Abdo voiced. Um, and then, like, you know, the the camera kind of panning throughout the crowd did a good job of letting you see all, like, the stars that were on hand for it. Like, it, it you had a sense in the buildup of, like, what, what the occasion was, what this meant to Italian football, to European football. It felt it felt big. It did. Um, which is an obvious statement. It's a semifinal, and it's Inter Milan playing AC Milan. Um but it was, I was like, as this game was starting, I was like, all right, I'm, I'm ready for this. I'm up for this. Uh, oh, absolutely. And, um, and it's just a shame that AC Milan did not, uh, did not read the script in terms of being up for it. Well, 
Ace, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but it was, I don't know. The atmosphere was great. The start was amazing. Oh, I thought the we, rest. Can we of- talk for one sec, actually, before we get into the game about the atmosphere, JJ? Yeah. I mean, like, who's designing these TFOs? Like, what? I'm just in awe of it. It's not like. It's not a football match. It's like, okay, before we start today, here's here's today's art presentation from the crowd. I'm just like blown away. The noise, the TIFO game, uh, all of it. It's just like they know how to do pageantry. They really do. Um, and, and, you know, it, that's not generally the view we've had of Italian football over the last maybe decade, 15 years. A lot of the time when we turn on an Italian game, what do we see? The bottom bowl of a municipal municipal stadium kind of empty <laughs> right, and yeah. pockets of fans in the in a curve of nord or a curve of sud so when it when the place is full and they're up for it, it it's 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 absolutely stunning um there was one thing because i want to get to this a lot of people it was the initial comment of the night the initial comment of the night was not about uh the the game in particular it was how absolutely lit the interkits are <laughs> with no sponsor and then a couple of people asked why there was no sponsor. Well, it wasn't it wasn't by design? No, it certainly wasn't. The cryptocurrency brand Digital Bits, um, they well basically Inter Milan have not received any payments for their spurt, uh, their shirt sponsorship deal. Neither have uh, Roma, so yeah. they're they're in the hole for twenty four million euros, um, and uh, including bonuses. So I mean, they've just I mean, what's the point in continuing to keep the the sponsor on your jersey if it's going to be like that? Yeah, um, it started at the end of it. They gave them basically through the end of April. Yeah, and um, they produced no money, so they they get no shirt sponsor. Yeah, so it's, that's why it makes sense to me. But I, it, it prompted a lot of commentary saying, "Just look how great these kits look without something emblazoned across the front of it," and. That is one thing. The lines of a kit and the design of a kit are never really done with the shape of the sponsorship branding in mind. So it's always some incongruous piece of design slapped uh, on, yeah. on, the, on the front of it. And Although so, I will say, Inter's kits when Pirelli was the sponsor, that looked good to me. It did, because it, it, but it had a historical cachet. Like, that went back years. Yeah, and uh, into the into the nineties, and and we remember Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo, playing with Pirelli on the front of his jersey, and that gives it a kind of a feel. Right. Um, so I'm not saying that, I'm not saying the sponsor can't become part of the of the lore of the shirt. Of course it can, but there is an argument that man, those shirts look real good without the sponsors. I just wanted to take a page out of Nottingham Forest's book. They did. And Forrest eventually uh, got, uh, who was it, UNHCR or someone yeah, as their true. sponsor, which is pretty great. Uh, but but anyway, to the game. Yes, the game. Uh, AC Milan mm. were just completely overwhelmed by the intensity of Inter and the Inter midfield. That first half performance from uh, Barella and Mkhitaryan was about as good as you're going to see. And uh, especially Mkhitaryan, considering, what, what is he, what, like 34, 35 like the amount of running and tracking back he did. I think he tracked back uh, trying to pick up on the Milan uh, on a counter-attack. So they, there was so much pressure in in, in the inter-midfield that, um, you know, AC Milan's key players couldn't get going. And then that kind of discombobulated the centre-backs. And so um, there was a really good piece of analysis that showed where um, 
basically uh, Tamori and Kerr got ended up behind each other on the second goal, leaving this massive path for Mkhitaryan just to waltz through. Um, and then to concede the, the goal on the corner to Dzeko, I mean, it was a great finish, but Calabri looked so weak and so, like, he got way too tight to him, uh, got kind of turned easily. Can and, we uh, can we talk? Let's talk about this one. Go on. Because I, I saw you posted on Twitter, um, you, like you're doing now, you gave credit to the quality of the goal. Brilliant but you, finish. But you, but you also did mention how bad you thought the defending was. Shocking. So, <laughs> yeah. so to me... I mean, I've watched it several times now. It's not that you're, it's not that I think you're crazy for saying that, but you know me. You know how sometimes I am with this stuff. I don't want to necessarily look for the bad. Um, this is one where I looked at this and I thought, yeah, I'm going to tip my hat to Eden Jekko uh, here. Yeah, this okay. was he's got a guy that he's fending off. It's not like he was left alone. Like if, when a guy gets left alone on a free kick or on a corner kick, I'll say, what are they doing? He's got somebody who is literally draped all over him. Now, Jekko's stronger than him, and he's holding him off in that way, but he's got a defender, JJ. I mean, Calabria is wearing Jekko as, a, as an extra shirt. And Jekko, I'm going to tip my hat to him because he still has the power to fend that guy off who's doing that. And he still has the technique to get his foot on the ball at the exact right moment, hit it as clean as any of these other strikes we talked about from the Real Madrid game into mm. the upper corner. It was, I've never seen too many goals that looked like that with a player draped on somebody who's able to hit it out of midair on a volley like that. Yes. Yeah. I'm tipping my hat and I'm not put this, not putting this one on the defense. That's an incredible goal that he scored. No, I know. But uh, well, Thierry Henry would disagree with you. He would oh. dis- he, he would agree that that was a brilliant strike, which we all do. Can we just say, the Jekyll part in it is amazing. And by the way, to, to hit a ball, like you said, straight from a corner kick, like directly, is into the net. That's a brilliant skill to have. However, Forget Calab- uh, Calabria for a second. Forget that he, to me, gets too tight. He ends up getting twisted in a knot. I think he's better if he stands off and then he can actually attack the ball in front of him. Maybe just a yard, half a yard. Be touch tight, but not that close. Whatever. Forget that for a second. Uh, they did a side-by-side between the last time they played and tonight. And Milan conceded the same goal from a corner kick. The exact same kind of... They moved... Uh, Inter looked to move the... the uh, AC Milan defenders around to create the space to do it. And Henri was was just saying, you can't allow that to happen. You've got to learn. You've got to make this difficult. And they didn't do it. Anyway, it was just a terrible, terrible start. And then it just kind of, like I said, Tenali, uh, Kronic, uh, like, the, like the best player I've seen for um, for Milan this year has been uh, Brahim Diaz. I think he's a phenomenal footballer. Um and well, hang just... on, hang. Can I stop you for one sec? Because I have one other thing on the Jekko yeah. goal that I wanted to run by you. Um, I'm sorry for cutting you off. But before we moved off of it, I, I wanted to get this in because I wanted your thoughts on this. Because, JJ, there's somebody we've had on the podcast before as a guest whose opinion we really respect a lot. He got, His name gets referenced a lot. Jack Pitbrook of The Athletic. Great guy. He's, he's awesome. Covers the sports so well. He tweeted this after Jekko scored that goal. He said... 
what a genuinely all-time great he is. I've spent 11 or 12 years thinking that Jekko is at least as good as Lewandowski, in part because he has done it at harder clubs. I was always too scared to tweet it because I thought I'd get shouted at on here. Maybe tonight's the night. Obviously, Lewandowski is exceptional, but if you need a guy to just find you a goal from somewhere, anywhere, I know who I'm picking. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, that is... That's that's high praise. <laughs> um, what what can I say to that? I I don't know if I prisoner of the moment. It. What's that? Prisoner of the moment in that tweet? Well, no, because he says he's wanted to say it for a while, and I don't think he's lying in that. Um, Lewandowski. It's a lot. It's a I lot. I mean, like, to say that. and look, look, I love. I mean, Jack was thirty-seven, and he's still doing it. Yeah, that's true. That is that is exceptional. He has 64 goals for Bosnia, 64 goals and 127 internationals for Bosnia. I mean, that's just absolutely exceptional. I think uh, what I would accept is that you could tell me that Dzeko is the most underrated player of, of our time. I think I would maybe grant you a little bit on that, um, given that he has scored a lot of goals in a few different places. Uh so you know, even at Man City, like where he was not a regular starter, like he had years no, no. where he would start sixteen games and score fourteen goals. Right. Um, you know, he scored like obviously in the in the Aguero, the Aguero in that game. Like none of that matters if Jeko doesn't score in the ninetieth to 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 equalize. Um, also on a corner kick. So he, yeah, if you want to tell me he's just like a, a generationally underrated player, that's fine. But when you start invoking names like Lewandowski, it becomes a little little trickier for me to like then i think you're you've gone too far uh, but look if that's his opinion uh, then you know we I, like i said i respect the hell out of that guy out of jack pitbrook well, um just I, I thought it was it stood out to me in a way that i wanted to get your your opinion on it well like <laughs> the numbers are there you know um he scored a lot of goals. He scored 50, like a half century goals at City, 130 games. He didn't always start. A great record at Wolfsburg. Um, Roma, he had a year of, of 29 goals, I think. Yeah, 77 goals in 168 yeah, games for Roma. Really, he's really like, good. Mean, he really is. Uh, and, and, and the point about it being at harder clubs is not lost. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's a big statement to me. Yeah. Big, big statement. Yeah. Uh, all right, continue. What was I going to say? Oh, yeah. I'm assuming uh, you were getting to what happened two and a half minutes later. What, uh, oh, the, just the pressure in midfield. Um, so, like, Benacer, um, Diaz didn't get going. The outball always for Milan in the first half was um, was a Salamakers. And, and there was one moment where Barella just sprints the width of, or the length of the field to get back and, and take the ball off him. Or was it Mkhitaryan, one or the other? But they were doing that all through the first half. Now, they weren't able to keep it up in the second half. Um, I thought, By the way, I thought Dumfries and DeMarco had great games too. And Bastoni. And Bastoni, brilliant. Um, um, but yeah, so uh, just the field just completely opens up. And inexplicably, Tamori finds himself behind Simon Kier. The ball's in space. Mkhitaryan drives through and slots it nice and high. Uh Pass Mignon and 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 that's it. It's uh, it's two nil and you feel, you feel things are going to get worse. I I know um, uh, 
Hakan Chalinoglu had a, he what he hit the post then maybe a couple of minutes afterwards. Guy smashed the hell out of it. I thought he was going to s- split the ball in two. Yeah, smashed it. Then it comes back, and honestly, that should have been a goal on the rebound. But yeah, it was... came to Barella. I think played it. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it wound up to Mikatarian like eight yards from goal, and he sort of scuffed his shot a little bit. He probably should have done. If, he would think he probably should score there. Definitely. Um, and then I, I suppose what happened then was. It was impossible for Inter to keep that going. The second half. Well, wait, a, wait, wait. Before you get to the second half. What? I mean, they kept it going a little bit. They they thought they had a penalty. Ah, uh, but in, all right. In the thirty first. Yeah. Good off, point. Off, to off make. a throw. Off a throw in. Yeah. No, that was dreadful defending. Again, it, it was care was involved in that. Um, it was excellent use of VAR, though. It wasn't a penalty, yep. and it begs the question: Why didn't Lautaro Martinez stay on his feet and keep going? He might have just thought. Because Care put a hand on him. Uh, he might have just felt that and thought, I can sell this. I mean, look, I, I'm, 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 I'm attributing all these thoughts to a guy of something that happened in a split second. He might not. It's all instinctual. He's not thinking these things. But, yeah, you know, I can sell this. There's a hand on me. I don't know if that'll get overturned by VAR. Uh, it might just be what was ruled on the field is what it is. So I, I sort of get the decision to do it. It gets rewarded so often that I don't necessarily fault these guys for trying. But yeah, excellent use of VAR. It's why it's there. Um, that's not a penalty. It's no. not. I would have hated if that had stood. Care. I mean, it, there are some people I've out, I've seen out there saying, you, know, you can't put your hand on them in the box. Yes, you can. <sighs> All right. Yes, you can. It, there's allowed to be some physical contact. There's nothing there that care does that would cause another human being to fall to the ground. And there's not even the slightest bit of thigh on thigh contact or thigh on knee or clips him or anything. There's none of that. He just goes over. Yeah. Um. So that like the first half, like they definitely sat off in the second half. I mean, how could they not? The intensity of the game. Um. Now, if you look in terms of the bench, uh, the the players that Milan were able to bring in versus the players that um, Inter were able to bring in, like they were able to bring in Brozovic and Lukaku. I I would make one point though. There was the Messiah's chance where somehow the left hand side of the Inter defense opens up and he's in. Mm-hmm. Now I I can't remember who said in the commentary afterwards. They feel like the game's done. Um, was it Henri? I can't remember. But that is such a big chance. He tries to curl it, Andrew. Doesn't really catch it at all. Doesn't, and it goes well wide. Yeah. Doesn't work the keeper. Um, that was a massive chance for Milan to to edge their way back into this when they hardly deserved to. They did not do enough in the second half. I thought Tenali was much better in the second half. I thought he was. Tenali was at fault, not partially at fault for the Mkhitaryan goal because he's supposed to be tracking the run of Mkhitaryan and doesn't get close to him. Yeah. But I thought he was very good in the second half. Um, now, there is a player who you love yep. to come back for AC Milan that will definitely put a different complexion on this game if he's fit, depending on how fit he is. But it feels like if, you, if, it, if, it, if it was just that Milan team to take the field again, they're going out. Rafael not playing in this game was huge. It's huge. He's been unbelievable all through the Champions League. God, I saw it against Tottenham. Good Lord. And I think, you know, they talked about this on the broadcast that, you know, Inter Milan 
I don't know that one player changes the game. Like they talked about, like they, they talked about Leal not being there and they, and they said, you know, right now AC Milan, like the problem isn't, it's not offense. It's not offensively that like the issues are it's, it's defensively that AC Milan are having their issues. Yeah, that's all fine and good. That's true. But I think Inter were able to play a certain way because they didn't have this fear of Leal being able to run in from behind. Uh, they could play a high line. There was not that threat of him and his speed and his ability of being able to get in behind that high line. Uh, he's a great player, and I I think that that I think that that's like he's a great player to me. Where that is, it's a it's difference making. It is. I'm not holding anything against Inter. They were they were fantastic, um, but AC Milan didn't have arguably their best player. That's that's important. It, it's not just a footnote in the game. It's it's part of the story of this. One. No, and a guy who can advance the ball, soak up pressure, and then you you get you get the ball to him, and he can make those runs, those surging runs that we've seen all the time in this competition. Um, yeah, I don't know. I still I still fancy that it's Inter will go through, and yeah. uh, and. Because you're asking a lot of a guy who's been out injured to come back in, and but we 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 don't know to what extent he's going to be. It's true. He's going, he's going to be fit. Um, Duncan Alexander had a tweet, and I, I'm reading this tweet because it's kind of germane to a conversation we've been having lately about Napoli. So it's um, you know, it's one of those handshake tweets. So <laughs> okay. it's, it's it's one thing on one side, one thing on the other. So on one side, it's Arsenal 0304. And Napoli twenty two twenty three just win your quarterfinal and it was right there. <laughs> Meaning, I mean, I felt that way about that Arsenal team in 0-3-0-4. That was the invincible side. They sure. sh- should have been in a Champions League final that, that year, and uh, and Napoli as well. So, um, not to pile on Napoli fans who are probably still very drunk from their celebrations, but uh, yeah. To asking the the question that we asked at the start of this podcast with Manchester City, uh, City and Real Madrid, it's an obvious one. Who's feeling better about this coming out of it? Obviously, Inter Milan would be. They've got a two-goal lead going into the second leg. However, given the way this game started, if you had told AC Milan fans in the 20th minute, okay, you're through it now. There will be no more. I think they would have said, yep, okay, I'll sign that paper right now. Yes, sign me up. Like if Inter gets one more, if the penalty holds up, uh, if you know if that ball doesn't hit the post or the rebound, Mkhitaryan does score or Barella, whatever. Like at three, I don't for whatever reason that's the that's the line to me. Like at three, I don't think there's a way back. We've seen it happen before, but like in my my mindset is going into the second leg, it's over. Um, at two, and if they get Leao back for the second leg, like. It only takes one. Score one goal, and it's a brand new game. So I think AC Milan, again, they're not the winner coming out of this. Certainly not. Inter would be feeling great right now. But I think the fact that they limited the damage that they got out of there with it only being a two-goal deficit, I think that they will they'll be breathing maybe a slight sigh of relief that yeah. they, they are technically still in this. Oh, I think I think so. Uh, the penalty, uh, uh, Chalanaglu hitting the, the post, and then the subsequent miss. That's four nil. Well, it's not, over. Yeah, yeah. Well, the penalty wouldn't have been a penalty anyway. But like, say somehow, like, like, okay, let's take a better chance than that. Bastoni's run in the second half where he slides in Jekyll and Jekyll kind of gets it caught under his feet, and it's a good save um, from from Mannion. Uh, like, so take take one of those chances. Three nil, four nil. They're not coming back. 
Um, but uh, again, really looking forward to this second leg. Um, there was a suggestion or a little suggestion. Uh, Car- Jamie Carragher didn't love all the Inter fans going to, or the Inter players going to the fans at the end and, and giving it quite as much as they gave. It wasn't usually the cursory clap to the stands. It was more of a, it was more triumphalist than that. And he was kind of concerned about it. Henri made the point, you know, it's such a significant game against a rival and you've given yourself such a good chance. You're going to want to feel a little bit of jubilation about it. And you're going to want to show it to the fans. Yeah. So our, our, show your appreciation to them as well. So uh, I can see both sides of that coin, but uh, looking forward to the second leg. Yeah. Yeah. As am I, both of these should be setting up uh, very nicely for the second legs. It's um, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. JJ, you mentioned last thing on this, you mentioned before about Napoli, then watching this today and like just all the hype around how big this one was Um, Italian football. I know they, they missed out on the last world cup, but maybe this year, at least domestically in that league, that's been kind of maligned for a while, having a bit of a moment, I would say Napoli's title. Like we talked about after they won it, it's the biggest title that any team is going to win this year. Uh, in terms of how high profile it was and the way it was celebrated and how much we enjoyed that team. Now you got the pageantry of these two meeting in the San Siro in the semifinal. This is, there's some good things happening right now in Syria. Whether or not it sticks and, and this continues, uh, who knows? But at least in this, I think 2022 23 will be remembered as, as a year that was very good for a league that was in need of a very good year. I think so. And colorful and, uh, and difference. Difference is great. Somebody else winning a championship, somebody with a story like Napoli is great. And having two teams like AC Milan and Inter battle it out in a Champions League semifinal, this has been good. The fun thing too about this, I'm not saying it was a fun game necessarily, but uh, it, it's brought back the memories of the last time Inter and AC Milan met in a, in a Champions League. Remember that, JJ, in 2005, those just <laughs> ridiculous scenes Inter fans were furious with the way the game was being officiated, uh, and then they they had it. They unloaded flares on the pitch. Yeah, um, game had to be suspended. Uh, just and that timeless photo of Matarazzi and Rui Costa with like the fire, kind of like they're they're like silhouetted almost with yeah. Matarazzi, kind of with his arm around Rui Costa, He's silhouetted by this of... like blaze behind them. It's that just is a, that is some photo iconic. Yeah. I, I think they're kind of leaning on each other a little uh-huh. bit. It's it's very 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 pally and and wow. I, I wonder could I get that because you know we're doing up the apartment with the baby arriving and I've okay. I've demanded a little bit of wall and a little bit of shelf and uh-huh. it's going to be the JJ area. I wonder <laughs> could I get a picture of that for a nice print of that? That would be a pretty cool one to have. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, should be fun. Should be fun. Second legs will be great, and we'll of course be all over it as you would as you would expect. Let's go ahead. We'll take a break. A couple things, not a, not a ton left, but still a couple things worth coming back for. So uh, so yeah, don't don't turn it off. All right, just just stick with it. All right, more caught offside still to come. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 
36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now. Caught offside. JJ, before we get back into it, I want to—I just want to give a quick shout out because we don't do this very often. We always kind of shout out, hey, follow us on Twitter uh, at CO Soccer Pod or, um, uh, or shoot us an email, caughtoffsidepod at gmail.com. Yeah. What's the Instagram, JJ? Caughtoffsidepod. Yeah, or, or hit us up there. But something that we, we should do more often that I want to make it a habit of. Uh-huh. Um, JJ, the the Reddit page. I want to give a shout out to the animals, specifically Newman, who kind of runs that Reddit page for Caught Offside. We have literally nothing to do with it other than kind of being silent observers as to sort of like the conversations going on in there, although you have not been so silent in there of late. Um, I have seen that from afar. People are um, happy with me being involved. Don't 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 degrade it. But but I want to give them a shout out because it's just it feels like that that page, that community has been so alive lately like they've always been great but lately i feel like i've just seen great conversations in there not even always about stuff happening in the show just like soccer stuff in general so uh, for all the the fans of of this show who listen to this um i would tell you to like get in there and like go go subscribe i would love to see the subscriber base in there what it's probably around like 2000 or something if it could if we can get up over three then work our way to five i'd love to see more and more people because i know i see how many people listen to this podcast i know it's i can see the numbers it's more than that i would love to see more people get on that reddit page because it's it seems like such a fun community to the point where i would love to see jj if if they start threads on like you know because we have people who listen from all over the place that would probably love to connect with other people who are, who are like-minded soccer fans. So start threads of like, Hey, I'm in Miami. Who's watching this weekend? Where are you? Like, I'd love to see that stuff of like people getting together through there. And like, not, it doesn't just need to be an online community, make it, make it real. Uh, so I, I think it's a, it's just like seeing the, the conversation going, going up on those pages lately. It's been fun to read and I'm glad I'm so happy that so many people are, are so involved and and care and uh it's super cool so if you're a fan of this show i would tell you that that is you should make that a staple i know i didn't really i had never like explored reddit it was never a thing that was on my radar necessarily until i had heard from newman i guess that that he was starting this reddit page and i thought let me what is it it's way easier to navigate than i ever really understood yes and uh and again from like from all the stuff i see on there it's fun uh, for the most part, it's lighthearted. And even when there's criticism, it's all fair. I've never read anything in there and been like, you know, angry about it. It's stuff that I get. Like, it's it's yeah. cool what goes on in there. So, again, if you're a fan of the show, I would say that it's it's worth checking out and subscribing and, and getting involved and posting messages because it's it's a fun space in there. So good job, yeah. Newman and, and every all the other animals who are a part of that. Absolutely. And um, and like there's very little rancor there. Um, it's mostly just decent. O- only when you get involved. I 
that's not true. Uh, I'm really not as bad as I was. Oh, you, a few years ago, I was terrible. I was like, I, ugh, I hated myself. But um, not now. You're just you just don't like. What would I say? Confrontation. Ten, confrontation or, or anything when it gets a bit combative. You're not yeah. into that. Well, especially there, because I always felt that that was a safe space. And and for you to have gone in there and poisoned it, it's sad. It's it's sad you, to see. You've just gassed it up. How have I poisoned it? You've poisoned just, it. It's, amazing. It's, it's a toxic environment that's, when I see. What is it? Bro Dolan? What's, what's your name in there? Brolin, always Dolan, Brolin. It always takes me a minute to be like, who's this Who's this guy coming in here stirring it up? And then I'm, I'm always reminded, oh, that's right. That's JJ's username. Yeah, I should explain the, user, the username. It's one of my favorite pieces of commentary from way back. Uh, it's from Euro 92 in Sweden. <laughs> and England had a must-win game against the Swedes. Uh-huh. And Thomas Brolin and Martin Dolan were two of the best players um on the field that day and England lost 2-1 and the winning goal uh was by uh, was by Thomas Brolin who ended up at um Leeds United and then got really fat <laughs> really big and kind of fell out of the game but uh it's um it's Barry Davies and he's like Brolin Darlin Brolin and it just hits the net and as a you know as a person who just always wanted to see England lose it's one of my favorite moments i remember wow. being a kid watching it and thinking yes to go so far as to make that your username, it, that makes me wonder. I was having this conversation at work, actually. Mm. Um, what do you take? Like we were talking about rivalries. Do you take more joy in an Ireland win or an England loss? Uh, Ireland win. Okay. Because there are people that I sometimes think, like, I, I'm not saying I know anyone like this, but for example, they they would almost rather see the Cowboys lose than the Eagles win, like something like that. I know some Met fans that are like that with the Yankees. I can't, I can't get to that place. Me uh, because I don't think that that's not, that's not healthy. No, it's and too I far. Grew, I, and I also got into the game from Ireland, like winning and doing amazing things. And it, and, and you know, it was lovely, not, it was lovely to beat England and, and be able to uh, be as good as them for a few years in the nineties. But uh, I don't, treat it like that although i will say you saw my face after the euro 2020 final in in july 2021 the relief yeah, yeah i didn't realize until that moment just how strong your hatred for them was yeah i never i always knew that they were a rival you didn't like them but like to me because in, during the time that we've done this podcast ireland haven't been all Good. that relevant. They haven't been like a, a force in any way in European soccer. So I, I just know you, I associate you, JJ, the fan, even though I know how much you love Ireland and if they ever got to, you know, if they get back to a world cup, how big that would be for you. Yeah. But I just associate you with Liverpool. This era of Liverpool has been okay. incredible. And so like so many of those guys are key English players. And so sometimes my mind doesn't immediately switch over to like, Oh yeah. Once they put on that Jersey, the way he feels about them instantly, it, it switches, and I get it. I'm not saying you're wrong. I would do. I do the same thing, um, and and I hate myself sometimes for it because I don't want alien to alienate people. Like I don't hate English people. No, we know that. Ah, uh, I know, but because mm, it, it it can get political and it can get mixed up with stuff, and and sometimes it's just we talk about this with you the U S Mexico rivalry all the time. Yeah, people I I don't I, I, like I don't like English football. I love it as so much of English culture, English music, comedy. All those things that I absolutely absorb every day and love every day. So yeah. I don't want it to be like that, but I just um, 
their football team ever since the get-go. And, and Scottish people feel the same way, and many Welsh people. It's not just an Irish thing. Uh, we like to see them beaten. Right. Yeah, I get it. I totally get it. Um, while we're on this, actually, ESPN FC today released their list of the top five um, strongest, biggest, most passionate rivalries in MLS. Do you want to take a guess? The strongest passionate rivalries. Well, number one is Seattle and Portland. That's correct. Uh, passionate rivalry number two. Ooh, um, bu- 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 I mean, crew and FC Cincinnati's not going on long enough. That's number four. Wow. Okay. Uh, number two. I mean, they're going to want to say Galaxy, uh, the LA Derby. Yeah. El, El Trafico. That's number two. That's number two. Okay. I mean, that's a pretty recent one, really. I know. Um, Red Bulls, NYCFC no. had a bit of juice for a while. Is no. that in there? No. No, it's not. Um, the hell is real Derby? Uh, no, not there. Okay. No. Um, Toronto FC Montreal. Huh. Okay. Is third. Uh, and then, uh, fifth year FC Dallas Houston Dynamo. Really? Mm hmm. God, I've never, never thought about that one. Well, you've been, you've been wrong. So there, there you go. Um, that's, that's what ESPN FC, that's their opinion. Uh, let's see, JJ, before we get to a couple, um, final notes here, just want to remind everyone out there that support for caught offside is brought to you by manscaped, who is of course the best in men's below the waist grooming manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the performance package, which you and I of course have and have used and it's brilliant and it's easy Continue to use every day. I mean, oh my God, he can't stop using it. Um, so join over 8 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off, free shipping, manscaped.com, and use code CAUGHTOFFSIDE. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. JJ, a couple final things here. One, um, the season's not over yet. We always talk about transfer rumors, uh, but this one is not a rumor. Sergio Busquets leaving Barcelona. One of those things that's almost hard to picture. Um, Now, he's not the first, obviously. Messi has gone elsewhere. Um, Iniesta went to Japan, remember? Like, yeah. Like, so, like, we've some of these guys who are so aligned with that club, we've, we have seen it. Uh, but Busquets has won 700. He's played 718 matches for Barcelona. That's the third most in the club's history. Eight La Liga titles, seven Copa del Reyes, seven, uh, seven Spanish Super Cups, and three Champions Leagues. He is he is a staple of probably the greatest era in the club's history. And he came all the way through the youth system. He's one of those guys. Um, and, you know, he's in... Um, in basketball, JJ, the term you hear all the time is uh, about certain players, great glue guys. Yeah. Maybe guys who kind of like, you know, not the flashiest. They're kind of under the radar. Their stats don't like explode off the page, but, but it's just generally accepted that like, oh yeah, they're not, they're not winning S without that guy. And I feel like Busquets kind of served that role for them. You know, Messi obviously got the, the goals, the accolades, the records, Iniesta, Xavi, Players like that, no, 
the guys who were helping to spring the attack and who were just so like brilliant to watch. But Busquets, so much of like the dirty work, so much of starting the attack, um, just all the things that he did in that midfield. Uh, I, I feel like he would kind of, if, if we had to assign a glue guy to that era for Barcelona, I think he might be it for me. Yeah, controlled tempo, broke up play, uh, got passing patterns going. He was just a brilliant player and and both on the international stage and the club stage. He seems like he's been around way longer. He's way longer? 18 years? That's not long enough for he's you? He's only 34, though. That's That, to me, it just seems like, oh, if, if someone said to me, oh, Busquets, you know, 38, it's going to be hanging them up saying, no, 34 years of age. Um, and I wonder what, what he does next. What's the next move? Yeah, and just how influential will that move be on his former teammate, Lionel Messi? I mean, there's talk of, I mean, there's you see rumors, JJ, of Saudi Arabia basically trying to gobble up every every former Barcelona player um, to try to get Messi, to try to lure Messi to Al-Halal. Um, uh, who knows? Who knows? But you're right, at 34... He could still he could still be a an important player uh, for somebody. Um, so yeah, and it's, I'll, I'll it's, be interested. It's nostalgic now because that team is now almost entirely broken up. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you think of the core, obviously Messi, Xavi, Iniesta, and then you move back a little bit to Busquets, Puyol, uh, with... Puyol, PK. Yeah. Um. Yeah, who are we forgetting? Well, Danny Alves was part of it uh, later on. Um, and, I mean, it depends how far back we're going to go here. I mean, but Yeah, is it like, I don't know, Neymar Suarez. Neymar uh, and that Suarez was quite, well. Like, that was maybe their the best version of them, but I don't know if, 2015 that, if that was, version quite, was pretty, quite yeah. long enough. No. That 2011 team is always looked upon as, as maybe one of the, the crown jewels of that era. Yeah, I don't know. But you're right. It's kind of all. It's all over. All, everything all gone every, now. Everything comes to an end, Andrew. Yeah. It's uh, it's just the way of life, and uh, there's nothing you can do about it. And <laughs> I, we, we, we will be talking about this team. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the team that took to the field against Manchester United in the 2011 final was at Abidal, PK, Mascherano, Danny Alves, Busquets, Iniesta, Xavi. Pedro, often forget he started that game. Messi and David Villa. Yeah. Yeah, I think we hit all the big ones. Yeah. 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 There you go. Um, uh, And finally, JJ, we referenced this at the start of the show. We'll finish out with it. Um, A new position has been created within the U.S. soccer structure, and it has been given to Aguchi Onyewu, named as U.S. soccer vice president of sporting. And that's it. That's the so, position. So you texted me immediately. You go, is this a is this a typo? I, well, it, to me, like of sporting what? Like it's so dumb. It's <laughs> so, I'm not saying it's dumb. Oh, it is the, the vice president of sporting. Sporting what? <laughs> sporting a new blazer. Sporting a new haircut. Uh, this is from Jeff Carlisle. Lisbon. <laughs> Jeff Carlisle says he'll report to sporting director Matt Crocker and support all national teams, including hiring of the new USMNT manager. He'll also be involved in fundraising. Uh, and this is from the statement directly 
that um, U.S. soccer put out. In this newly created role, the two-time World Cup veteran, Anyewu, will work closely with U.S. soccer sporting director Matt Crocker in supporting all sporting initiatives within the federation. Reporting to Crocker, Anyewu will also play a prominent role in managing relationships with clubs and leagues in the United States and across the world, along with strengthening other stakeholder relationships. Um it goes on to say he will be tasked with assisting Crocker in the search for a head coach. They make a point of saying that. Um, Anyewu, uh, there will be people who are quick to jump on this. Why is he getting that? He, he's got a little bit of a background here. Anyewu is a former member of the U.S. Soccer Board of Directors, mm-hmm. uh, having been elected to the Athletes Council and serving since 2021 before stepping down this past week to take this new position. Um, yeah, look, I, I saw some people... Like there's always an instinct, I feel like, with U.S. soccer decisions, to kind of like question them, be mad about them. It's fine for me. Like it's, you know, Matt Crocker. Ultimately, it's it's still his job. It's still going to be like he's the ultimate decision maker. Uh, I like Aguchi Onyewu. I think he's a really smart guy. Um, this idea of him, you know, helping to build relate. They, they mentioned also fundraising as something that will kind of fall under his purview, helping with that. Um, which I thought was funny on Twitter, JJ, when it, there were people who were kind of quoting that line about Anyewu and how he's going to go about fundraising. And then it was a, a gif of him staring down Jared Borghetti of Mexico. Like, you know, you can open up your wallet <laughs> with like that Anyewu <laughs> stare, uh, which I thought was like, exa- yes. like that's Some a- people's objections to this whole thing is like, why do we have to take someone out of the U.S. soccer firmament? Like someone who's an ex-player. I, why must there always be a role for an ex-player in this thing? Um, uh, and well, let, get- me, let me ask you a question. Is that rare? No. Like, look around the world. I don't think that's unusual. It's not. It's not unusual, but it just never seems to benefit us. Well, well let's. Uh, I don't know. Can you say that? Look at all like. I mean, if we're going to talk about this, one of the the big successes under Bearhalter was all of these dual nationals that the U.S. was able to procure for right. themselves. Some of them were really significant big gets that we weren't sure we could get. It's probably helped by some of these guys who are we don't players. know though. You're well, we don't know, but but I'm sure it had something to do with it. Well, it's not at least we're not sending Thomas Rongen down anymore <laughs> to do our bidding. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just it, it, some it, of the it, description of it sounds a little bit almost like he's vague. being kind of. It's a little bit vague. Uh, it's a little bit of almost like him being groomed, maybe in some way to kind of learn uh, sort of this position and and observe what Matt Crocker does. Um, and so one day maybe he'll be able to slot in and and take this role fully. Um, I don't know. I, look, part of it is that I just I really like the guy. I think he's a smart guy, like I said, and, and I just kind of enjoy him. Um, so I'm happy for him. Again, I don't know exactly what this means, if it's good, if it's neutral, whatever. Um, but yeah, my my instinct is not necessarily to just S on it. I'm I'm fine with it. No, I'm 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 fine too. It's just the the whole the phraseology the fact that they said they've made up a new role all those yeah. things come together you're like it just it gets your hackles up just a little bit because <laughs> I don't know yeah the only thing I didn't like about it was the title it's just like <laughs> even when you be reading it, oh, I'd like to welcome Gucci Onewu uh, he's our U.S. soccer vice president of sporting. 
Everybody waiting for that last word? No, that's no, it. Just no, that's sporting. It. As a director of sporting, as opposed to a director of sport or a director of football, the ing is very important to me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you an idea, guys. Without the ing, where are any of us? <laughs> I want to bring the ing back to U.S. soccer. And you know there was like a whole meeting Yo, yeah. about this. Like, you know 200000 was given to a consultancy firm. The ing, everyone. Yeah. Ing. It will add prestige. There was probably a PowerPoint about why ing is important. Yeah. You know, you know, you know what's going to be hot next spring? Ing. Ing is going to be hot. And we got to get ahead of this, guys. Ing. So we've blue skied this idea. Mm. We've run it up the flagpole. We got a lot of salutes. We're going with the ing. Are you sure he's just not vice president of football? That might work. No, no, no. Football is last spring. Ing. Ing is the new thing. Ah, this was fun. I enjoyed this thoroughly. Another huge weekend. We go right from Champions League right back to domestic football uh, with a Premier League title that is being sought by multiple clubs. A huge weekend. Uh, Can I just say, you know, we've got some brilliant, uh, potentially brilliant championship semifinal First leg action, Sunderland host uh, Luton Town at 12.30 p.m. on Saturday. And then on, uh, let me see, what is the, and then on Sunday, it's Coventry City and Middlesbrough. And that's at 7 a.m. on Sunday. And then the second legs are on Tuesday with Luton Town against, uh, taking on Sunderland at home and Middlesbrough taking on Coventry at home on Wednesday. Um, But, I just I, I know I mentioned Sunderland in the last podcast. Luton Town. Again, if you're looking for fairy tales, Kenilworth Road barely holds ten thousand people. They've been in the last twenty years to the to non league football. They've come back up again. They are on the brink of Premier League football. That is a stunning story at Luton Town. And a town that or a club that traditionally um I wouldn't say one of the big boys, but it it for a few years at least held its own, its own in the old first division, and then Coventry. Like I said, I explained all the problems with them. Uh, another great story. So I, I'm I'm really excited about those semifinals. Oh, good. No, those will be fun. The the two games I'm kind of targeting this weekend. Uh, the the games that begin your Premier League Saturday and Sunday, seven thirty on Saturday, Leeds United and Newcastle United. Uh, I'm I'm just generally curious about Big Sam and how this is all going to go, and he's got a big test. Uh, with Newcastle and then 9 a.m. on Sunday uh, Everton and Manchester City Um, obviously lots of implications at both ends of the table also Arsenal and Brighton um, at 1130 on Sunday so a bunch of bunch of big ones Um, should be fun always is it's a title chase alive and well JJ I enjoyed this thoroughly this was a uh, this was a good time I always enjoyed the Champions League and I especially and now that we're at we're at the deep end of it um, so it's getting, it's getting real here. And of course we'll be at it again next week to talk about the second legs. Hey, good stuff. Good stuff, brother. To you, I say. Ing. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the caught offside soccer podcast. Hold up. What was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.